listeners. Let's get back to The One and Only Bob by Catherine Applegate. We are on the section that is titled Two, and it is starting with Dream. It is on page 35. Here we go. This morning, I wake up in my cozy bed. Way too early for Julia to make me breakfast. She and her mom and dad are still asleep. And even the guinea pigs are silent. My belly grumbles, and once again, I curse my my thumblessness. Dogs have no thumbs. Humans are one big design flaw. The inferior noses, the inscrutable humdrum rumps, and don't get me started on their (coughs) odor. But the opposable thumb idea? Yeah, that was a nice upgrade. The cans I could open. The doorknobs I could conquer. Anyways, I feel worried. Off. Worry's a waste of time, and it doesn't fit with my tough guy act. But sometimes I can't seem to help myself. Before I woke up, I'd been dreaming about Ivan and Ruby and Stella. It wasn't a nice dream. A fun and run toe twitcher. Nope, this one was a nightmare. A bad one. We were swimming, all four of us, in a black raging river. For some reason, I was in the lead. And I kept looking back, telling them I was going to save them. Me. Save them. Two elephants and a gorilla. And as I paddled like mad, their voices faded. I looked behind me. And they had vanished. And then I heard it. A faint bark. That bark. I woke up then like I always do. And I did an all-over shake, trying to toss off the stench of nightmare that clung to me like shampoo after a bath. I told myself to chill. Get a grip. Stop worrying about nothing. And yet, Some primitive part of my brain, the wolf in me maybe, is on edge. A lot can go wrong in the moment left to chance. The blink of an eye, the bounce of a bone. There are so many ways the world can find to fail you. The smell of a storm. And by the time everyone else wakes up, I've calmed down. But the wind outside sure hasn't. It's an early fall Saturday, gusty with scraps of sun, clouds bouncing off each other like bunnies in a in a bunnies in a basket. Messages on the wind pouring in from everywhere, from dogs making their daily rounds, from feral cats, and from anxious raccoons. Basically, everybody is asking the same thing. What is the deal with the weather today? I already know. Weather Channel was on last night with a screen full of big white cotton candy looking swirls. Julia's dad, George, has already taped up several windows. And Sarah, her mom, packed an emergency bag just in case we have to evacuate. Another hurricane is on its way. 
third this season. Not as big as the last couple, but slow moving. I've seen the routine. Know the ropes. Once breakfast is done, I sit on the couch in the living room, waiting impatiently for Julia to come home so she can take me on our daily stroll. She has a dog walking service, and she's out walking other dogs. I get my own private walk because she's my own private girl. I can practically taste the storm coming through the open window, the back of my throat tingle, the metallic edge, the fizzy energy. But it's more than that. It's as if the air is up to no good, sneaking up on the world and looking for trouble. On the poetry of stink. Of course, not everybody can smell what I'm smelling. My nose is a zillion times more powerful than a human's. Dogs are experts at odor. Students of stink. We analyze the air the way humans read poetry, searching for invisible truths. And we don't just smell the good and bad stuff that people notice with their substandard schnozzes. The usual suspects, popcorn and lilacs and freshly sharpened pencils, diapers and Brussels sprouts and freaked out skunks. No, our noses get it all the whole shimmery double rainbow in April. Humans, they're lucky to get a cloudy day in November. We get that molecule of roast beef dancing on the wind 50 miles from the tidy kitchen where it just slid out of the oven. We get the cherry lollipop under the back seat of the Honda 16 cars up on the highway at rush hour. We get things humans can't even dream of getting. We're the ones who find the miracle earthquake baby cuddled in her crib under tons of rubble. We're the ones who find lost hikers in the wilderness after a quick whiff of a sweaty sock. We can even tell when someone's sick. We can smell seizures and cancer and migraine headaches. Try getting your guinea pig to do that. We smell feelings, too. Sad has a sharp scent with an undertone of sweetness. Sad smells like being lost in a winter forest as the sun goes down. And happy? Happy is the best, but there's a touch of wistfulness around the edges. Happy smells like bacon ice cream served up in an expensive leather shoe. You're going to love every minute of it, but... You know it won't last forever. The news. Sometimes when Julie and I go for walks, I'll break at a corner. Corners are the best for fresh news. And she'll tug and say, come on, Bob, there's nothing there. Oh, but there is. Here's the thing about poop and pee. I get that humans are not into them. I see the bathroom doors shut tight the embarrassed, downcast gazes. You guys are totally missing out. There's a whole lot of info hiding in your average p-mail. When dogs want to share the latest gossip, we just wait until nature calls. You'd be amazed what we can learn during a quick bathroom break. People read the news, check the TV, browse the web. I 
I linger over a fire hydrant and inhale the whole wide world. My ears, by the way, are almost as remarkable as my nose. I pick up on all kinds of things humans can't hear. What we do with our noses and our ears is kind of like taking a big old knot and loosening it up, separating out the strands, unbraiding things. People smell a reeking pile of trash in a dumpster, but we smell a dollop of cream cheese, a hint of peanut butter, and a smattering of Fruit Loops. People hear the roar of a crowd in a stadium. We hear a strain of whiny four-year-old, a whisper of worried superfan, a note of grumpy hot dog vendor. Man, dogs are cool. Snickers. While I watch from my perch on the back of the couch, Julia passes by on the sidewalk. George asks her to keep her dog walking route close to home in case the weather changes. She's wearing a shiny purple raincoat and leading three dogs, a goofy mutt named Winston, a timid Dutch hound named Oscar Meyer, and her. Snickers, an old nemesis of mine. Snickers is a fluffy white poodle with delusions of grandeur, a big snooty pain in the puffball. Oh, that pooch drives me crazy. Our mutual dislike goes back to my early days as a stray. Snickers was a fancy pampered sleep on a pink satin pillow kind of gal. Her owner, Mac, ran the mall where I lived with Ivan and Ruby. And that's where I first encountered Snickers. She teased me mercilessly. And beneath the fuzzy facade, I always suspected there was a little, I don't know, spark there. Anyways, after the mall closed down, Snickers, being Snickers, landed on her feet. Mac married an older, older widow lady with more money than sense, and she dotes on that ridiculous poodle. Max too lazy to walk Snickers himself, so he hired Julia to do it. Looking good, Snick baby, I call through the open window, and she gives me her curled lip, squinty-eyed face, which, come to think of it, is pretty much how she always looks. As usual, Snickers is dressed to the max. She's wearing a pink poncho a sparkly rain hat, and teeny, teensy pink boots. Those boots were made for mocking, I add for good measure. It feels good, giving her some grief. But before I can really relish the moment, another annoying acquaintance of mine appears. Nutwit. Nutwit, the gray squirrel who lives in the live oak in, in our front lawn, jumps to a lower branch looking at me with barely concealed pity. I hate pity, especially the barely concealed kind. I don't know why you taunt her, he says. You're hardly in a position to talk, Bob. You are Snickers. Come over here to the window and say that. 
So you can, what, drool me to death? Are you aware that my best friend is a gorilla? I ask. You would make fantastic eight chow, dude. Nutwit reaches for a dangling acorn and yanks it free. I thought gorillas were vegetarians. Ivan eats termites, I say. He might make an exception for you. Face it, Bob, you're soft. You're one step away from your own pink rain boots. He, um, he has a point, says Minnie, one of the family's guinea pigs from her cage next to the TV. Uh, uh, no, he doesn't, says Moo, her cage mate. Um, yes, he does, Minnie squeaks. Doesn't. Does. Doesn't. Does. Does. Doesn't. Minnie pauses. Wait, you tricked me. The guinea pigs rarely agree on anything. Nutwit leaps over to the window ledge, acorn and paw. He presses his tiny twitchy nose to the screen. You couldn't last a day out here, Bob. Some of us have to live by our wiles. Hey, I lived on the street longer than you've been alive. Nutwit nibbles his nibbles his acorn. He's quite the prissy eater. Whatever you say, Bob. I say scram. Fine. Hint taken. Anyway, storm's en route. I should be stocking up on my nut stash while I can. Nutwit gives me a wise guy look. Uh, that's how we do it in the real world? He scampers off with an aerobatic flourish. Squirrels never do a simple jump like a quadruple black backflip cartwheel is an option. You're full of it, I say to nobody in particular. We're full of it, says Minnie. Yeah, we're extremely full of it, says Moo, and they popcorn in agreement. Guinea pigs hop up and down when they're happy. It's called popcorning, and it's totally ridiculous. You're happy. Wag your tail like a real mammal. I am not soft, I mutter, nosing my protruding belly. And I leap with effort off the couch. And then I head to the bathroom for a good long drink from the water bowl of power. Spoiled. Mm, I know Nutwit has a point. I've become a creature of habit, spoiled after a stretch of being my own dog. For a long time, I was Bob the Beast, cunning and streetwise. As a stray, I lived off leftovers at the mall while Snickers dined on her fancy pants kibble. Man, how I loved that cotton candy stuck to the floor. The unexpected UFOs. The ends of ketchup-covered hot dogs scattered under the bleachers like, I don't know, big toes or something. Ivan offered to share his gorilla food with me, and Stella and Ruby were always ready to pass along a carrot or an apple, but I refused. I needed to stay in shape, stay tough, 
stay true to my wild nature. Okay, so maybe every now and then I'd sneak a banana chunk from Ivan's breakfast. But then, things changed. I became civilized, domesticated, a pet. Don't get me wrong, there are definitely some perks. Julia, who's an artist, painted my name on a food bowl. And she gave me this wonderfully mushy blanket, the kind where you can bed boogie forever till it's squished to perfection and you can curl up just so. Oh, I love that blanket. But I simply cannot sleep without not tag. Ivan's raggedy old toy gorilla. Of course, just when I get my blanket and not tag imprinted with the right amount of ode bob, Julia's mom does the unthinkable. She puts them in the washing machine and removes every last bit of me. There are other indignities I tolerate. The daily walk on a tug-of-war string after going stringless my whole life. The attempts to train me like that'll ever happen. The kisses and cuddling. But, well, the cuddling's okay, I suppose. But the kissing, I just don't get it. If you want to kiss your dog, why not just give him a big old lick on the face and be done with it? Anyway, so what if I've gotten a little spoiled? A tad soft around the edges. I mean, there's a difference between being soft and being afraid. It's being a coward. Another confession. Too bad I know the truth. I'm both. Cricket bully. When Julia returns from walking her charges, I race over and I give her a good old Bob-style hello. Lots of yipping and twirling, followed by some attempts to jump into her arms. Humans love that stuff. Julia looks at me sternly and says, Robert, down. I leap some more because I'm determined to convince her I'm incorrigible. I'm trainable. It's part of my charm, my bobbliness. Down, she says again. From her coat pocket, she pulls out her little metal clicker along with some treats. I hate that clicker. It's meant to help train me, but it's like a cricket bully. Here's the theory. I do something right, Julia clicks, gives me a treat. The clicks tells me when I'm behaving, and the treats reinforce it. If that happens enough, before your very eyes, I'm supposed to transform into a good dog. Well, I ain't that easy. Down, Bob, Julia tries again. I want a treat, but not enough to cave, so I opt for a play bow, a compromise. Julia sighs. You are definitely a challenging student. And to my annoyance, she puts the treats back into her pocket. I think Julia may be on to me. Trust. A while ago, Julia got into her head that I needed to improve my manners. So we went to a dog training class. I wasn't really into the whole sit and stay and do the tango stuff. The worst command of all, the truly inexcusable, only a human could come up with it order. 
leave it. Leave it means walk on by, Bob. Sure, there's a piece of bacon just inches from your drooling pie hole, but do me a favor and just pretend it's not there, okay? Uh, not okay. Where I come from, you never pass up a free meal. UFO drops to the carpet, it's mine. And I'll be chowing it down before you can say, where the heck is my meatball? Within minutes, I was accused of being an under-motivated student, which is totally unfair. I am highly motivated. Just show me some cheese, please. Anyways, I may or may not have been a little unruly. Class clown stuff, tail spinning, a little random peeing, some zoomies, just for show. Class, you see that crazy dashing around he's doing, said the teacher, pointing at me with an accusing finger. We call that a frat. Frantic random activity period. She pulled Julia aside. He's a smart dog, she said, but he's messing with you. Which was true, but I hated getting caught in the act. I thought I was more subtle. Bob needs to know who's boss, said the teacher. He needs to see you as pack leader. Give him some time. I see this is a lot. I see this a lot with former strays. Takes them a while to trust people. Like forever in my case. As we left the class early, I yelled, So long, suckers! to my classmates. I couldn't help rubbing it in just a little. My car thing. Now, I suppose the real reason for the training stuff isn't my bad manners, although they leave a bit to be desired. It's my car thing. I've always had a hang-up about cars and trucks, also riding lawnmowers, go-karts, anything with four wheels, an engine, and a driver. I don't like them. I don't want to ride in them. I don't want anything to do with them. Those co-pilot dogs with their heads hanging out the window, flying their drool flags, boneheads. First of all, it ain't safe. And second of all, bad stuff can happen after you climb into a car. Take it from me. When Julie and George and Sarah realized I have transportation issues, they tried to lure me into the back seat of their car with treats. But you'd be surprised how stubborn I can be. I yelped so loud the neighbors came running out to see what was happening to the poor little doggy. Score one for the poor little doggy. Click. That's when they started clicker training me. Click, he is a treat. Come closer to the car, Bob. Click, he is a treat. Watch while I open the car, dog, Bob. Click, he is a treat. Come right up to the seat, Bob. Click, here's a treat. Come on in, Bob. Bob? Bob? Where are you, Bob? Yeah, it was a lot. It was like that a lot. And we're going to stop there for today. Thanks for listening.